Welcome back to NYU Grads Daily Podcast, everyone. It is Wednesday, November 1st. Starting the month fresh with the FOMC Fed Rate Decision Day. Uh, welcome back. want to also um, welcome everyone that is new. Um, I noticed that we're still gaining a, a lot of new subscribers, so welcome to the Substack. And just to kind of give you a, a lay of the land, um, I'm, I'll be posting daily podcasts, which are uh, 15 to 20 minutes max covering the top line, what you missed in the markets in the view of the forest and the trees that uh, I t- usually am doing at bare minimum every day to put together my trading plan together. Um, right now, I am not posting any private watch lists until the paywall goes up. Um, And speaking of which, there is a promotion uh, that already started last week that will run till Cyber Monday, November 27th, where if you subscribe as well as pledge a future subscription, you just need to put in a credit card. We're we're not going to charge you anything. It's just a pledge for once the paywall goes up, you will get 33% off Uh, whether it's the annual, whether it's the monthly, or the founder-level subscription. So thanks again, and welcome aboard. Let's jump right into the uh, markets because there's a lot to cover. So um, rather than beat a dead horse, the breath is still very negative. However, we were able to put together three straight days of gains. So that's great news if you're waiting for a Santa Claus rally into the end of the year and you're positioned for such. The Dow was up 221 points. The NASDAQ was up 210 points, 1.65%. The S&P was up 44 points, up 1.05%. Very strong across the board. Um, This was made possible mostly because of the Magnificent 7 plus maybe 5 to 10 other mega caps. Uh, Because when you take a look at breadth, we're still doing very poorly. Today, uh, with that backdrop, with the Fed rate uh, decision of not hiking, we had 73 new highs in the market, and we had 505 new lows. Still not good. When you take a look at the balance of advancing versus declining shares, that's a little better. We had 62% uh, advancing or 33% declining. So again, the weight of the day was still bullish, right? But we still have some deterioration of new lows under the market right now, uh, which is never a good sign. And uh, we have 81% of stocks under its 50-day moving average And we still have 75% of the market under the 200-day moving average. If you are new here, I always explain this. These are the numbers I explain every day. If you uh, put this in practice and start to follow these numbers yourself, uh, you will start to build an innate sense of the intention of the market. And you'll be less prone to being faked out. And what I mean by that is while the markets were up a lot today, up a lot on Tuesday, up on Monday, I'm still on defense, right? Because looking at the breadth numbers, if we were to fall and lose all of this week's gains, 
because in context, we've fell um, tremendously from the highs and we're just simply gaining some of that back in, in this week. Um, so if you missed my call on Friday, I still suspect there to be before Thanksgiving over a thousand point move to the downside. Why? There's a lot of ingredients to this, but primarily it's the breath numbers. What You can go back to all of my previous podcasts going back to probably a month. Whether it was a green day, a red day, a break-even day where nothing happened, we're seeing breath numbers like this where we have 50 to 70 new highs and 300 to 1,300 new lows every day. And in that uh, environment, we're seeing the Magnificent 7 hold up the entire market. Just last week, Microsoft was the only Magnificent 7 above its 50-day moving average. We're doing a little bit better now, but these are the type of things that I look for to see what the real intention is of the market. Um, And before last week, we were starting to lose financials. Um, So that was not looking good either. Now, if you take a look at the transportation index, that also has been crushed. We're talking about thousands of points on the transportation index. And that is an indicator of where the economy is going because that's how goods get to your door, Um, whether it's um, train, plane, automobile, all the way to the last mile to your doorstep. But taking a look at the... uh, the overarching um, leaders of the day, you had Microsoft up 2.3%. You had Apple up 1.8%. They report after the close on Thursday. Uh, you had Amazon almost up 3%. Google up 1.8%. Meta up 3.5%. Then you had um, NVIDIA up 3.8%, but a lot of semiconductors were very bullish today. You had AMD up 9, Intel up 2, Qualcomm up almost 2. Then you had other um, supporting cast in technology like Adobe up 2.3%, Oracle up 2 and a quarter. Uh, so that did a lot of the heavy lifting in the rally. Um, when I take a look at the sectors today, every sector was green. The leading sectors to the upside were communication services, technology, and then utilities, uh, all up north of one percent. The, um, the, the I guess the the, per, the the group or sector that was least up was consumer defensive and energy. Um, if you were to overlay the prices of indexes indices and yields there was a direct inverse correlation today yields closed at the low of the day like at 4.7 i believe let me just search it real quick in real time and the market closed near the highs of the day Uh, so the u.s 10-year treasury closed at 4.71 percent or 4.79 it's at 4.71 now Um, so that uh, relief valve of lower yields definitely was a tailwind in the sales of the bull. Um, 
if you recall, I mentioned the ingredients that I need to see for end-of-year Santa Claus rally are a few. Number one, you have to see breath improve. We have to start seeing 500 new highs, um, and or maybe not 500, but at least more new highs, like let's say 100 new highs and you know uh, only 10 new lows. Until we start seeing that, I'm not going to feel comfortable with any of these rallies. I think they're going to get sold into as we approach the uh, moving averages above us. We also need to see a very big rally in the Magnificent Seven. Uh, and then lastly, we need to see yields uh, really stay below 4.5%, uh, not just like dip below 4.5% and then just rally back above it. So those are kind of the main ingredients that I'm looking for uh, to go into the end of year for a Santa Claus rally. But let's go ahead and take a look at some of the charts. I will post these charts in the show notes uh, later today along with the podcast. Now, if you're new here, you can uh, actually uh, listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Amazon Music. But if you are um, going back to the Substack page of that podcast, you will have show notes. Uh, it'll have summaries as well as charts. Uh, a couple things that I wanted to cover today. Um, let's see. Um, when I I didn't read, I didn't listen to the whole um, Federal Reserve rate hike uh, announcement and speech. I read through some of the um, the notes and the prepared statements, but. What my takeaways were was Jerome Powell was basically saying the Fed is not thinking about thinking about cutting rates. They're more apt to raise rates in the future. Uh, that's number one. Number two, they view that we are all still making too much money. There's still too many jobs. And they want to see uh, basically a, a larger slowdown uh, to get inflation down. Right, like how sick is this? Right, like he doesn't want to see, uh, obviously, for us to do well because if we spend more, make more, buy more houses, buy more cars, all of these things start to increase in price and inflate. Um, I saw an interesting stat by um, Lisa Ann Saunders from Charles Schwab on X. I'll post this uh, grid or Excel spreadsheet type uh, grid here, but it basically assumes that the Fed is done hiking and what typically will happen moving forward if it's the last rate hike, whether it's six months later or 12 months later after the last rate hike. And it goes by date all the way to August of 1929 before the uh, Great Depression, all the way to 2018 uh, which is the last cycle where they stopped hiking rates and started cutting. And then it also shows subsequently after what happens, you know, when is the first rate cut after that last rate hike? Um, quite interesting. It gives you kind of the S&P 500 performance. Most are negative. The average uh, across the board is negative 0.4% after six months. And after 12 months, the average is 1.8% after 12 months. But 
that doesn't tell the whole picture because it's taking an average, but um, some of these, uh, how should I say, the the mean is huge. Like you have like uh, August 1929, six months later, the S&P was down 17%. Yeah, you could average it out over uh, 100 years and you might have a 0.4% uh, gain or loss, but if you are living in 1929, you're losing 17% of your money six months later. And then, you know, we have a few like 7% down, 8% down, 5% down, uh, and then you have an 18% down, and then you have 20% up. So it can really fluctuate. It's, it's pretty volatile. I'll post it. It's very interesting. You know, I, historically, you know, it, it's, you know, history is is going to help us see what will happen in the future because uh, it usually rhymes with the future, but it's not an exact science. I thought it was interesting. I'll post that. Uh, I also follow up tech layoffs through a website called trueup.io, and uh, I'll post a snapshot of this as well. But October, we saw basically double the amount of employees laid off versus September through tech companies. That's not a good sign, right? Because um, we're going to the end of the year in the holidays. If you're laid off in October, November, you're most likely not going to get a new job till the spring because no one's hiring during Thanksgiving, during uh, Christmas and the holidays. Uh, and then it's New Year and everyone's planning for 2024. Uh, so you're pretty much out of a job uh, for four to six months um, and what's alarming is that through June through September it was fairly consistent in the number of employees let go it was like bouncing around July June was 15,000 July was 14,000 laid off August was 19,000 September was 14,000 and in October 31,845 so keep an eye on this uh, and then uh, I just have a few charts I wanted to kind of really quickly thumb through, and I'll wrap up. Um, so if you take a look at SPY, which is the SPY index for the S&P 500, we had a massive bullish basing pattern, potentially a cup and handle that started back in November of last year, and that broke down. It, it tried to break out in, in May, and then it failed. Um, and we actually broke down the handle, like the handle is destroyed, but um, we are now back testing to the upside, possibly the handle. Uh, there, there's like a channel that uh, I'm watching that um, consisted of that cup and ha the handle of the cup and handle. Um, we may back test the 50, which is like right in the middle of that handle. Uh, but if we fail here on the SPY, we're going to backtest this trend line that uh, terminates at like 400. And if that breaks, uh, we can easily go down to 340 from here, per my eyes. Um, so that's not looking too great. Uh, so Apple really needs to perform here on Thursday after the market close. Apple itself... It was flirting with a trend line that goes back to the dot-com crash recently. And that coincided with its 200-day moving average. So it defended. 
It's trying to rally back up to the falling 50-day moving average. It's done this um, two times already since the summer. And it usually what happens is it'll pierce through the 50-day moving average, look like it's going to break out, and then it'll just fail after a few sessions. So we may do that again for the third time here. So earnings, I expect them to beat uh, on Thursday because they always beat low expectations. We may rally and pop uh, Friday, and then who knows, maybe Monday it gets sold off. And if that happens, not only are we going to break the 200, we're going to break this trend line. And if, if Santa Claus does not come and the Grinch comes this holiday, Apple, if all of this uh, comes to fruition and we break down, I think Apple can go as low as 145 to 130 before the new year. And that is why I... If things like this happen is why I see potentially a thousand point uh, sell-off uh, plus on the Dow before Thanksgiving. Um, if you look at the equal weight S&P, I, I use simply an index or ETF called RSP. Richard Sam Paul is the ticker. This uh, balances out the S&P 500, so it takes away the, um, the overweight uh, of the Magnificent Seven out of it. And it's not looking as good as the S&P 500. Uh, we're at, in a range here where if we break below 130 on RSP, we're potentially going to break a very long-term wedge that goes back to 2007-2008 financial crisis. If we break that, and again, this is all um, part of my thesis that if we don't rally into the end of the year, we're going to we're either going to have a Santa Claus rally or we're going to drop over a thousand points in one day. And then it'll just continue to sell off uh, to the end of the year. If that happens, I could see RSP going from where it's at now, 136 to 70 um, in very quick order because there's no, there's nothing underneath it to support it. Um, if you look at the same difference, but QQEW, which is the equal weight, NASDAQ, it's uh, not in the tight of a range or a balance area, but we are now testing uh, the great financial crisis trend line. So if we break this trend line on QQEW, that's not good news either. And the other podcast, I kind of covered the S&P 500 over the VIX. Um, so if this goes higher, that means the S&P is rallying or the market's rallying. If it goes lower, that means the VIX is winning. Um, it looks like we are setting up a, a pretty big top on this, which is not good for bulls. If, you know, we rallied obviously uh, this week so far, pushing up the SPY VIX ratio chart. But if we start to sell off here and we break um, this top of this uh, ice cream cone, um, and then we break 148 below us. Um, who knows where this can go for the for this year? I know eventually, once this mega rally that started back in the Great Financial Crisis implodes, 
this buy VIX ratio will go back down to 25 to 35. And that's when I will know to flip all of my 401k to bull, bull mode and buy, you know, risk assets, buy the riskiest uh, 401k um, groupings. Uh, but right now is not the time, I, I don't believe, to be aggressive like this uh, with your retirement and savings. Um, I will be risk adverse right now. We're, we're carving out a mega top. Um, and until you see 10-year yield below 4.5 markedly, until you see new highs outpacing new lows, which is we're not, um, and you see a very big rally in at least four of the seven magnificent seven, I would not trust these rallies. I believe they're going to get sold into uh, very, very hard. Um, so that is my take on Wednesday session. Uh, there are thousands of earnings coming out uh, for the rest of the week, obviously. Um, but to be quite honest, all that really matters is Apple. Uh, Apple is still a very big percentage of the S&P 500, a very big percentage of the NASDAQ, and it's a huge... Um, it's just a barometer for all people that even don't own Apple to basically uh, use that as a gauge uh, for the health of the markets. Um, but taking a look at who is reporting before a market opens, we have uh, Eli Lilly, Starbucks, Shell, Shopify. After close, outside of just Apple, you have Stryker, and, and DraftKings that are notable to me, but I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a lot because, I'm to be honest, I'm not really watching for much other than Apple uh, on Thursday. Uh, but with that, I'll see you guys after the Thursday session. If I can listen to the earnings call, I will, and I'll report on it. Have a great day.